0: You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama. A church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Let us pray. Gracious Father, thank you um, for today. Uh, thank you for your word. Um, thank you for your word in Romans in particular, Lord. And continue to ask that your work would be done in your way, never lacking. For anything needed, um, That you would speak and do your work so that you would um, open our ears and uh, open our eyes, so we would see and behold you. Um, pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, moving through Romans, in some ways, I say this every week. It's true every week. I mean, I, I love this book. Um, I love this part of Romans. But you know, how do you pick a part of Romans that you don't love? Romans four, the celebration of. Just a beautiful word. I know it's funny to say, logizomai, which is where we get the word word, logos, Um, uh, and the action of God, which brings life to the dead and calls into existence the things which do not exist. I mean, wow, what a verse that is. Um, 4.17. And that's in the word logizomai. When God speaks, his action carries on the word. So the thing spoken has actually happened. It's brought into effect, the effectual word of God, you might say. Um, So I'm not going to review Romans again this week. Maybe we will again. But just moving all the way through um, Romans 5 with gift and Romans 6 being moved, our papers being transferred, as it were, no longer slaves to sin and the flesh, but now slaves to righteousness, slaves to Christ and slaves to God. A very jarring word on our ears, as it should be. And here we are in Romans 7, um, which a lot of us will... Sort of reckon with, even by just saying, "Well, it's just kind of Romans seven in my life right now." The uh, the central part of it. I do not understand what I do. I do not understand myself. I don't understand my actions. Why do I keep doing the very thing I don't want to do, and the thing I do want to do? I don't seem to ever do that. You know, wretch that I am. That's where we are today, right there in the middle of of Romans seven. But before we go there, um, just wanting to set up a few other pieces and and uh, as a way in thinking about this. Uh, Appropriate for Romans seven, if if God's exercise of the law. Let um, me a step back here. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> um, <good. laughs> um, the law, which is good, right, and holy, um, uh, the law is the work that serves the gospel. The law of God, which convicts us of our sin. And then, which shows us our need for Jesus, and then the gospel, which gives us Jesus. The gospel, which uh, uh, is the word spoken over our graves, like Lazarus come out, come out, come out, and which gives life to the dead. Um, or, like he says in Romans 4, which calls into existence the things which do not exist, um, which call us in our not existence, in our not peopleness, to quote Hosea and Peter. And brings us personhood. Um, brings me uh, create. But you know, now I'm created. Now I'm new and walking in the newness of the spirit. But the law, the right word of God, um, which is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, um, dividing joint from marrow. Um, uh, the law of God, if it would do its work, I pray it would. I pray it will, and bring us to our knees and bring us to our place of conviction, where we hear as we move through this time and this overlap of the ages. We'll look at that in just a minute. um, uh, Life spent in the overlap here, as we talked about last time. Um, We'll spend more time on the screen looking at that. Uh, If you would share with Paul today or at any point in your life, any point in your tomorrow, um, wretched man that I am, who's going to deliver me? Who's going to draw me through the current and the way things are going uh, to get to the other side because on my own I can't um, if that would happen thanks be to God but I ask our question how do you relate to God um, how are we typically disposed to God and how do we typically imagine God is disposed towards us disposed oriented his attitude how he's, um, how he's standing over us, what his tone of voice is, just all those ways, different ways I'm trying to describe, trying to imagine how we might imagine ourselves standing before God, as it were. Um, and it's very hard, and I hope this is just the intro, just the, the word of the gospel, the balm of Gilead, um, uh, to imagine that the gospel is the word of God, which he speaks to us even while we are yet sinning. And even when we feel disposed or oriented or attitude towards God, as he says in Romans um, 5, when we're weak or powerless or yet sinning, or even most strongly his enemy, you know, classically seen like in, you know, Mel Gibson's movie, we're holding the nail as somebody else is driving Christ onto the cross. Um, To believe, to believe truly and really and actually that in the reality of God's view of us, he doesn't see me in a position of being punitive or disappointed or shamed or or somehow saying, you know, I've still got some work to do with Gil, but he sees me in that orientation of the gospel. And what he says to his son, he says to me, you are my beloved son. And what he says to me, he says to you, you are my daughters and my sons. With you, I am well pleased. There is no shame. There is no condemnation. There is nothing that will separate you from me. And when he sees you, that's how he sees you. To believe that with all that you are and all that you have, that your orientation to God, and more than that, his orientation towards you, his disposition towards you, is pleasure. He takes pleasure and delight in you. And some of that language is going to be here in Romans 7, because we're going to talk about the law of God the law, then the gospel. It's not the law or the gospel. It's the law, fully good, right, and holy. And it always does its work. And it never does its work simply to leave us there, dead. It does its work, so the law and the gospel. The law and the gospel. Um, Always distinguished, but never separated, is a way to put it. The law is not the gospel, and the gospel is not the law, but you don't separate them and say like, okay, now that we're gospel people, we have no more need of the law. The law does its work to always bring us back. What? To tell us that you need Jesus and the gospel does his work and say, here is Jesus. You have Jesus. Jesus has you. So that's the preface. That's where we're going with Romans seven. Um, but thinking again about circles, um, circles, old age, new creation. Um, all the ways that we think about that, and I'm calling it life lived in the overlap, what the New Testament in several places will call the last days. This part, will show up on the, no, will show up on the screen. This part is um, from the day, like I've said before, it started off in Romans 3. Um, now that condemnation, now that our judgment is behind us, now that that began on the day of resurrection, or you could say in the single event of Christ's death and resurrection over those three days, that Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, how, is our, how, how, is, how are our days spent? How are our minutes spent? How are our hours spent? How are our seconds spent? Um, and that's the life lived in the overlap of these two ways of uh, of moving through. And so all the different ways, mostly that Romans, Romans really gives us the language for these things. The old age, the age of sin, death, the flesh, the old self, slaves of sin, life lived in bondage to sin under the law, new creation, freedom and life, the new creature, slaves of Christ, righteousness and of God, life lived free from sin under grace. Um, uh, Thinking about this and trying to slow down um, categorical realities. This is true, and this is true. The categorical reality and truth. I am dead, not under the law, not in the old way of the written code. Um, Also true. I am alive, under grace, in the new way of the Spirit. Put another way, in myself, old age, um, uh, in my flesh, under the law, amidst sin, brokenness, and death, I am dead. In Christ, New creature: through the spirit, where it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, no longer in the oldness of the written code, but in the newness of the spirit. Three ways Paul describes this in Romans 6 uh, 11, 6:14, seven, six. Here are these categorical realities. This is what Paul wants us to really appreciate, and I'm going to switch a slide. You must also, Romans 6:11, consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. That's true. You are dead to sin, and alive to God. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. We serve now in the new way of the Spirit, and not in the old way of the written code. How is Paul speaking? New creation. This is what is true. You are dead to sin and alive to God. You no longer are in the oldness of the law, the old way of the written code, but in the newness of the spirit. Um, Sin no longer has dominion over you, um, since you are not under law or under grace. You are no longer slaves to flesh or sin. You are a slave of Christ and of righteousness and of God. This is what is true. This is the word that God speaks over us. Um, And this is how God, if you want to call it this way, sees us. When God sees us, he doesn't see us. And I'm going to go back to this. You know, I like my Latin Um, phrases, Luther's phrase simul justus et peccator, simul simultaneously at the same time, um, justus or just, righteous, et and peccator, um, sinner. When God sees us, it's not simul justus et peccator, but sola justus, only righteous, only just. When God sees us, that's how he sees us. So question, why, when we move through in this overlap of the ages, if that's our identity, if that's who we are, truly, really, finally, fully, in all times, as we repeat you know, in the, uh, in the communion service, if there, on Calvary, Christ offered once, finally, fully, and for all his once perfect, sufficient sacrifice, oblation, and satisfaction, judgment behind us, then why, when we hear Romans 7, are about to read. I'm aware we haven't read the Bible yet, by the way. <laughs> um, quoting it, but not reading it. Um, why does it feel like Paul knows me and speaks to me in a profoundly personal way where I realize in my sober moments when I'm reckoned to reality, when the law is doing its work and it opens my eyes and then stops my ears and tells me, he's like, Gil, God is God and you are not. And you are very far gone from original righteousness, to quote the the 39 articles. Um, That's our experience as we move through this slog uh, of this overlap of the ages. We're in the last days. Uh, This is our reality. You are no longer under sin. Christ is the end of the law. He has finished the race for you. You don't have to run. You simply now exist outside of yourself. There's a way we're going to start setting it up for later. Where we no longer in ourselves um, uh, live. As it were, I live outside of myself. Through faith, I live in Christ. And in love, I live in a neighbor. And that's how we go out into the world, as Catherine used to tell us, rejoicing in the power of the Spirit. Um, I live outside of myself in the new creature. But in the overlap of the ages, I bend over within my spiritual spina bifida and I, I look at my navel and I'm, you know, in cravatus in say, bent in on myself. It's the way that Augustine and then Luther and others started to describe it, uh, where I can't help but realize that uh, everything is out of order. I think I am the master and commander of my own self, that I'm not a slave of God. I am not a slave of righteousness. I am not a slave of Christ. No one is the boss of me. That's my condition in these last days. So let's read Romans 7 and see if it has an effect on how it goes. But just wanted to put this image in your mind, trying to help us have a visual, as Paul is giving us all these dichotomies, no longer under law, but under grace, no longer dead, but now alive, no longer old, but now new, not in the oldness of the the flesh, but now the newness of the spirit, not in the flesh, but in the spirit, which he's gonna do in the first half of Romans 8. Paul is a dichotomous thinker. That's not to say when God looks at us, that's why he can also make these categorical statements. You belong to God, secure finally and fully. There is therefore now no condemnation, Romans 8.1, and there is not separation Romans eight thirty eight thirty nine. 39 that's next week uh, well maybe this week too um, so let's read Romans 7 and see what we can pick through we're going to go through um, in stages uh, reading Romans 7 uh, 7 through 12 um, what then Well, remember where we were Romans um, 1 through 6 I should have put Romans 7 6 on there um just gives an analogy from marriage that says, where does law's jurisdiction end? Death. It says It's like when you're married. If somebody is married, you're married until death do you part. Um, if your spouse dies, you're free to remarry. It's not adultery. Um, uh, so also, like our relationship to Christ, um, our relationship to the law, we are now dead to the law, dead to the flesh, dead to sin. And so we are free we are free in Christ. That's what he wants to just tell us in the first part, uh, that, that an analogy from marriage, we are free from the effects of the law. So it comes in here, because if that's true, then why does the law, which is good, right, and holy, still tell us who we are, our experience as we slog through these days? What then shall we say? That the law is sin? By no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would, have not, I would not have known sin. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me, and through it killed me. So the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. Did that which is good, then, bring death to me? By no means. It was sin, producing death in me through what is good, in order that sin might be shown to be sin. And through the commandment, sin might become sinful beyond measure. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. So I was thinking about that this week. Um, I've only played the game Clue like three times in my life, but you all know the game? It was the butler with the candlestick in the parlor. That really has been in my mind all week long. I mean, it fits really well. It was the law, though it was sin through the law in me. The law, like the candlestick, is 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 good, brings light to a room, et cetera, and so forth. And the parlor has nothing. You know, it's just the parlor. It's just the place. The problem was the butler. <laughs> He's the issue. Sin, principality, and power, which is going to call it in Romans eight. Um, uh, nothing, no thing, neither principalities nor powers nor anything else. Sin, as a, a personified, as this active embodiment of, of that which is against God, which is shown to be sin and proved to be utterly sinful, um, seizes the law, the commandment, um, and then does its work in a location, in me, in my flesh, in my body, or in my members. All these are just synonyms, the way that he wants to say that. In Romans 8, uh, in, seven, in verses 8, 11, and then 13. But sin, the butler, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, the candlestick, produced in me, in the parlor, all kinds of covetousness. Or in 13, I mean 11. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and through it killed me. And then a similar way in 13, the second half. It was sin producing death in me through what was good the law uh, so that sin might be shown to be sin. And through the commandment, sin might become sinful beyond measure. I mean, Paul just likes to turn phrases here to make sin, the sinnest sin that he can imagine. Uh, he takes the law, which is good and right and holy and just and of God as the word of God. The thing that promised life now became death, death to Paul. Um, and we're going to hear that thunder in Romans 8:3 in just a minute. So that's the first part of Romans seven, just to realize, here's how sometimes, sometimes I'll say this a lot, you know, echoing others, the enemies of God, really, it's the enemies of God's work done in His way in our lives. the world, the flesh, the devil, the law, sin and death. the greatest two enemies of God, sin and death. Have been defeated. We know that, especially in the book of Revelation. Um, uh, But why people ask, and it's a good question why is the law an enemy of God? Well, it's not an enemy of God, it's the Word of God. It's good and right and holy. But sin, seizing the law, which is good, right, and holy, doing its work in my members, created in the image of God, in my body, in my flesh, now works death in me. Death and sin, the two greatest enemies of God, which will be, persist all the way until we die, our Christ comes back, and all that's left is finally and fully new creation. We call this heaven. We call this glory. We call this really, most precisely, the new heavens and the new earth when all things are, um, are redone. So any questions there? Clue. Um, the butler with the candlestick in the parlor. Sin seizing the opportunity through the law then produced in me death um, clear thoughts okay. then we continue here's the part most of us think of when we think of um, of Romans seven for I do not understand verse fifteen um, I do not understand my own actions for I do not do what I want but I do the very thing I hate now if I do what I do do not, this is always hard to read out loud because he goes so many different ways. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want to do is what I keep doing. So we ask the question, who is the I that that Paul keeps talking about? I do not do what I I want to do. When I do the evil lies close at hand. Us, us. yeah. But it's 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 clearly us. It's clearly me. Um, Similar like in Galatians 2.20, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So if there's an I who has died, well then who is the I who lives? And so we hear this in different ways. I don't want to go too far afield, but the way... What do I say about this? Um, People will ask the questions. Scholars will ask the questions. um, Is Paul talking about himself as a Christian? Or is this somehow in the historical present, Paul talking about himself before he became a Christian? So those are the two thoughts. If it's Christian Paul, it might be Christian us. If it's pre-Christian Paul, it might be us. Um, Or... Sometimes you can can speak representatively. And is he speaking for all of Israel, for all Jews that know the law? Or is it even further than that when he says something like, you know, I once was alive apart from the law. Well, to speak about that, that would have to be Adam. He's the only one who was ever alive apart from the law. So is he speaking in some way representatively for all of humanity? So those are the four options. Kind of Christian Paul or pre-Christian Paul before he was converted, Or is it Jewish Paul or sort of Adamic Paul? Just Paul speaking for everybody. Or, and this is probably what it is, and why can we say that? Because of, not that, 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 a mixture where he goes back and forth throughout them all. Whereas we move through time uh, uh, in this overlap of the ages, um, he's encompassing as much as he can. Just like he said, it's us. It's every person ever created, all of Adanic humanity. And then thus who are also Christians, who are free, who this is the reality as God sees us, as it were, as he looks down and he sees me. But as I go through this time with sin, death, uh, persisting around me and my members hanging on to my flesh, this, this uh, uh, wretched man that I am, how we make sense. Of something, So that when Paul says these things, I don't understand what I want to do. I don't understand my own actions. For what I want to do, the very thing, I, I, I don't do that. I do the very thing I hate. I go to the thing uh, over and over and over again that I know is not of God. And sometimes this is an egregious, awful, you know, we pray, the once-in-the-lifetime sin, the lapse. But it's a lot more than that. It's just driving home. And what I said earlier... If in myself, navel-gazing and curvata-sensei, I exist where I am in charge and I'm the one, but in Christ I live outside of myself, by faith in Christ and in love to others, if that were true and all I did was live life in this way, then every single time somebody wanted to merge left, you know what I would do? I would let them in and I don't do it. (laughs) And it's as simple as that. I mean, it's just driving. We would drive differently. I mean, it's that that basic. Or, you know, the selective hearing about when you hear your children, you're like, you know, I'll give it three cries, and then I'll go. Um, If I lived outside of myself, I would get up and I'd say, what do you need? Um, Or whatever it is with your spouse, with your coworkers, or all the places where it's not even sort of an ethical decision to be made because you would just do the right thing. And the fact that you have to slow down and make a decision. I should do this because it's the right thing to do. Wretched man that I am. That I'm not free simply to respond spontaneously and in the spirit to do the thing that I know I ought to do. So it's not just the, it is the awful, awful, awful sins, which a lot of us have have done. And here's the hard word, will do as Christians. Our worst sins may not be behind us. What a sobering thought that is. Romans 7 gives us a place to hang our hats and lead us to a place as the Word would take us, preparing us for what is also our experience. And that's going to be Romans 8. So hearing the end of Romans 7, then we'll have some some time here. I think think we're doing okay on time. So again, Romans 7.21, and then we'll go through the end of the chapter. I find it to be a law. You know, just kind of a truism, an axiom. Um, I find it to be, you know, a fixed consequence. That when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me? from this body of death. And I, that word, somewhere along the way, and I've repeated this a lot since then, so some of y'all have heard this, it struck me somewhere an Amazon guy was was driving. He's the deliverer. And it's like, that's the word. Sometimes we make Bible words into something really... What, is, what does it mean that Christ is the deliverer? And, you know, the deliverer from come from Zion. It means, like, the guy takes the package and takes it here and puts it there. That's what it means. The package has no ability to do it on its own. There's no power. There's no inert capacity in a package to deliver itself. It needs a deliverer. Who will deliver me from this body of death? For this dead man can do nothing. (laughs) He can't walk. He can't talk. He can't see. He can't smell. He can't glorify. He can't do a thing. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So Paul, when he just hang there just a half second, um, the the phrasing there is arresting. Paul just gets is where I imagine Paul just getting very excited because he just gets worked into a dither where he's he's crushed, and then all of a sudden it's just this exclamation that comes out, wretch that I am, who will do Jesus Christ? And he just all of a sudden he's like he remembers his eyes are open, and his ears hear, and he remembers what's truly true and really real and actual, actual. He just can't... The verbs and the nouns don't all come together. Where he just starts, as it were, dictating and writing so fast. It just comes out. Um, uh, Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. So then, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. So let's start Romans 8. First three verses, and we're going to stop. Have some time to come back. There is therefore... Now, no condemnation. What's the therefore? Um, Jesus Christ, thanks be to God, our deliverer, the one who takes this body of sin, uh, this, dead, this dead body, uh, which law has worked all the way through, and picks me up and takes me where I cannot go. Um, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life that sets you free in Christ Jesus... So now we're going here. Um, Put that back up. Um, For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. Um, Worth doing this, I'm gonna um, time for a question or two and then we'll pray. Um, the phrasing of the word, similar to there in 725 24 wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? The way it's actually written, for what the law had no power to do, weakened through the flesh, God. And then he just stops. He doesn't he doesn't finish the sentence for what the law uh, had no power to do, weakened through the flesh. God. He just leaves it there. God is the, the um, as somebody once said, He's the, he's the, uh, he's the world's only because. Um, God. Dot, dot, dot. Um, and then it comes in and says, Sent his own, uh, sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemns sin in the flesh. Um, so, there is a verb send his own son, but it doesn 't quite fit the sentence it 's just for the law weakened through the flesh and what it could not do god and that 's just such a word it 's a word at our death it 's a word in our lives. Um, what the law, good, right, and holy, um, which tells us to love and we can 't love, and what the law cannot do give us any motor or motivation our way to move through this world because it's, we're just packages. We have no ability to deliver ourselves. What the law could not do, God. And then at that, it's the uncomfortable freedom. And we're especially going to go there if we get there after Lent in, um, in, Rome, in chapters 12, 13, 14, and, and part of 15. Uh, but it's just what the law, powerless to do, weakened through the flesh, God. And as it were, the rest of our lives to sort of stand after God and then send his own son in the weakness of human flesh, very similar to how he puts it in Philippians 2, um, coming in the likeness of men, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross, coming in the likeness of sinful flesh in order to condemn sin in the flesh. There's some atonement there, but we can look at that next week. So anyway, Romans 7, not our reality. What's truly true and really real is this. But definitely our experience as we slog through uh, and the law of God continues to do its work, um, telling us you are not your own. Um, When you do it on your own, it's not good. It's bad. It's malediction. Um, But God, who is rich in mercy, um, when he speaks and he raises the dead and he brings into existence the things that did not exist, dot, dot, dot. well that's a life that's a free life so. any thoughts any questions oh, amen what's that just complete, just complete dependence as a vine and a branch You know. a branch just lies dead on the ground but grafted into the vine into the trunk of the tree it can have life again if God says I'm going to give it life again so. may I pray Take these words, Lord, um, feebly offered, and by your gospel, um, which gives life to the dead and brings into existence things which did not exist, uh, if your mercy and your grace would see fit to give courage where it is lacking, um, uh, life in the midst of death, uh, light in the midst of darkness, um, strength in the midst of weakness, um, hope where there is despair, or Lord, just simply uh, uh, a joy to face the rest of this day. Um, Thank you. Uh, Let these words be done. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.